here today to tell you about uh, LumaCon, which is a local, local convention here uh, that we have that is put on by uh, an amazing team of librarians and teachers. Uh, we're here to report on Gallifrey One. It's a Doctor Who convention that took place um, President's Day weekend at the Marriott LAX in Los Angeles. Um, so it's already showing off some of the loot she bought. Um. And last weekend we were at Anime Boston 2018. It's hard to believe it's been, what, this is the 16th year for the convention? Math, yeah. Yeah, I think right. they have the, And so um, we were really excited to go back to our hometown convention this year. Uh, it was held at the Heinz Convention Center, again, as, as usual. And I thought they did a really good job with the crowding this year. Hey everyone, Elizabeth here to talk about one of my favorite parts of Anime Boston this year. Uh, they had a Moonlight Masquerade, which was a masquerade specifically for Sailor Moon that was hosted by Viz Media. This week we're um, coming to you guys with a con report from uh, Anime Next this year. It was held in Atlantic City, New Jersey, uh, June 8th through the 10th. And overall, i got to say, like, like last year when I went, I had a really good time. Back on July 6th through the 8th this year, I went to Montreal Comic Con. It was held at Palais, I'm probably going to butcher the French, so I'll warn you guys in advance. It was held at Palais de Congrès uh, Convention Center, which is right in the heart of Montreal uh, in Quebec, Canada. My name is Doug Wilder, and I just got back from Otakon 2018. It was the convention's second year being held in Washington, D.C. at the Walter uh, Washington Convention Center there. And just starting with the location, I think it definitely starting to feel better. It's starting to feel more like home after so much time in Baltimore. And we just got back from SAC Anime Summer 2018. Woo. It's an uh, anime convention that's been running for well over a decade. Uh, a lot of years. And... Uh, yeah, it, they do it twice a year, once in January, and once that's usually Labor Day. And, as we said last week, we went to Crunchyroll Expo, and we're here to talk about it. Uh, Crunchyroll Expo took place over Labor Day weekend this year, and uh, it's in San Jose, California. They moved from Santa Clara. Hey everyone, Shannon Morse here at KrakenCon 2018, and I am joined by Len, who has this awesome Hatsune Miku cosplay. Thank you. So tell me, Len, how long have you been coming to KrakenCon? I've been to this con twice. This is my second time. And we're here to talk about the Santa Clara City Library Comic Con, which we went to uh, on Saturday. It's a, a library-run convention, and so it's fairly small. But very well-organized. This week's episode, we're going to give you some ideas of what to do with some of those old convention shirts you may have lying around, or old uh, geeky shirts for different fandoms that you like. This one is, uh, what size is this? This is an 12, 12 by 16 inch pillow. And it says on it, it fits covers between 11 by 15 inches and 12 by 16 inches. Now because I'm using a stretchy fabric, I'm going to make it a little bit smaller than this. So I'm going to make an 11 by 15 inch uh, pillowcase to go on it. Cut out a rough shape first so it's easier to work with. And then cut out my actual 
my actual shape at the end. All right, so I need 12 inches, so about, um, nope, I need 16 inches. So I want the eight inches to kind of find the middle here. Also, you can look to see how far the text goes on each side. So that's two inches, that's almost three, so I need to move it over a little bit more. So I end up with about two and a half and two and a half over here. So that's about the middle. So you won't be able to see the pen marks here, but I can see them under my light. And now that it's measured, I'm gonna cut it out. So you're gonna wanna use the front and back for this. Remember sewing, you use right sides together. So I'm gonna do is flip this over. Hopefully everything lines up nicely. I'm going to take my pins and pin the four corners first. Now when you sew this, what you want to do is keep a space open um, about, I'm going to do about four inches, hopefully I can get it to fit, um, but you need one side open to get the form in. So I'm going to sew all around this, make sure you back stitch here to reinforce. Um, I may go a little more open. Alright, once you sew it, you also want to press open your seams and clip your corners, just like any project like this. And then you can turn that bad boy inside out making sure to push out your corners. If you want, you can grab like a, a, if you have a turning tool or a chopstick or a pencil or whatever you choose to use. Then you want to take your pillow form. Get it in there. And there's your pillow. Now, last thing you got to do is finish up this bottom seam. There's a couple ways you can do that. Uh, one is you can sew it by hand using a whip stitch or um, you can just fold it so you have the seam going and you'll have a stitch across the bottom. That's what I'm going to do because really when this is sitting down on a, on a chair or a sofa you're not going to see the bottom seam so and it's the easiest way to do it. So I'm just going to smush this together and go over and run it through the sewing machine. <laughs> and uh, we're here to talk about sexual harassment at conventions. Yes, we are. And uh, you've done a lot of research into this. You go to a lot of InfoSec conventions. I do. I go to a lot of HackerCon slash information security conventions. So they're for computer geeks. Yeah. But a lot of our InfoSec uh, people, they run into the same conventions as anime cons. Mm -hmm. um, myself included, obviously. I go to a lot of anime cons with you. Yeah. So I wanted to come on today and talk a little bit about code of conducts and sexual harassment and harassment in general and uh, what you might run into at conventions and how you can help with this matter. 
Now, what, what sort of policies are in place? I know different conventions have different policies, but yeah. what, what's on the InfoSec side of thing and the hacker cons? What, what do we have in place there? So currently in information security, um, especially during 2017, we've seen a huge move for a lot of movement towards getting these things called codes of conducts in place, or COCs for short. And basically when you create a code of conduct, it has a bunch of different parts, um, and the parts can always be updated in the future if you find you need to update them with some additional information or terminology. But generally there's like four parts or so. Uh, the first part would be uh, what your core values are as a convention, what you expect from your attendees, and who your code of conduct is going to uh, include. So that would be your speakers, your vendors, your guests, uh, your attendees, obviously attendees are the most important, uh, as well as the team members that are working at the convention. Uh, the next part would be defining what harassment is. Mm. So if you have a code of conduct in place, you would say, these are our core values and this is who this code of conduct includes. This is what harassment is. Now sadly, sadly, harassment has to be defined for a lot of yeah. people. Uh, a lot of people don't understand what harassment entails. Uh, they might think that you're allowed to touch people where they don't want to be touched. However, you might think that rape is wrong. Yeah. It, uh, they they in may other, think that something they think is a locker room joke, yeah. but somebody else maybe interpret that. That's a yeah. great example, especially. <laughs> Not to politicize it or anything, but um, harassment basically entails a lot of different terminology. And it, whether you're going to an adult convention or an anime convention, you might have very different terminology that is included in your code of conduct. So after you define what is harassment, and I'll send you a link that you can include in your show notes to some really good information, break down there in the show notes. Uh, after that, you want to include information on how somebody can report it and who they can report it to. So those would be the last two parts. So basically, who can report it? That should be anybody. If you receive harassment, if you see harassment that's happening, if you are targeted, you should be able to report it in some way. Yeah. And that way should include not only in person with some of the team members that are working there, but also some other uh, non-direct way of communicating. So that could be like over the phone or a direct message to a Twitter account, or it could be an email address or something that is going to be monitored 24-7 during the convention. After that, the most important part, of course you're going to have this code of conduct in place, but where do you want to put it? Right. So that should include in the guidebook that you give mm. your convention attendees on the very first day. It should include maybe a poster that is seen in the main hallway. I believe we saw something like that at, was it SAC Anime, yeah. I want to say? Well, a lot of conventions now are doing that. Yeah. Cosplay is not consent. Yes, exactly. And that is a huge, huge movement as well. And I think that falls into line with Code of Conducts as well, too. Right. Uh, so you should put it in your guidebook, on the website, uh, and then maybe in a poster like available somewhere. I believe that uh, maybe your MC should announce it during the convention so people know what they can and can't do during the convention. And then you should train your uh, employees or volunteers so that they know exactly what they should do whenever a report is given to them. Uh, and that's basically all of what a code of conduct entails. This week I'm gonna be talking about four things that I've seen at less than ideal conventions that uh, they can 
look at and change to make themselves better conventions and be a better experience for the attendees. Uh, so I have four different topics and the first one is overcrowding and bottlenecks. This is something really kind of hard to avoid because um, you can't really change the facility that you're in. It's not like you know you're building your own Disney World and designing it ideally to what you're gonna do. Plus you're only in the facility once a year so it's hard to really make changes um, a lot that can, you know, seeing things week over week or things like that, like at a shopping mall or something. Um, next is long registration lines, which I've been in way too many of these than, than I should be. Um, one big thing you can do for long registration lines is do a dry run of your registration system well before your convention um, and do it multiple times. Do a dry run and don't just do a dry run, throw wrenches in on purpose. Next is make sure your website is up to date because that is the main source of information for your attendees. Whether or not you use guidebook or your own app, the website is really important. So any changes, cancellations, especially with guests, need to go up ASAP and they need to be kind of out there. Like, don't just go to your guest page and take someone off. You have to announce it. And I know it sucks because you have people who are probably, who might be going just to see that guest and now they're SOL and have a badge that they can't return. Um, the last thing to do is to learn from your mistakes. And all cons make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. They happen. Some are bigger than others. But what's also as important as mistakes is how you handle them afterwards. So one thing that's really important is to admit to them, like own up to the mistakes you made, be like, hey, this happened, we're sorry. You don't make excuses, don't even try to explain really. I mean, you can a little bit if you think it will help, but sometimes it doesn't. So just be like, this happened, we screwed up, we will do better. And I think that says a lot about a convention. <laughs> On March 8th, 2007, I proposed the idea for Providence Anime Conference to the New England Anime Society. Um, some of my friends and other Anime Boston staffers, we felt like there was a need for a convention like this where older attendees could hang out with other people uh, we, we, uh, that had, you know, they had kind of felt that cons had gotten too young and that there were the screaming fangirls and the smelly fanboys, um, the immature behavior, playing duck, duck, goose in the hallways and, you know, shouting, I lost the game and all this other stuff. And so we thought it was driving people away from conventions, uh, the older, more mature attendees. And so we wanted something that would appeal to those people. So following Anime Boston 2008, the pre-registration for Providence finally launches and we waited for that flood of pre-registrations. Well, we waited more. Yeah, they didn't come. <laughs> um, so the convention starts on October 3rd, 2008. And uh, it was actually surprising how much people loved it um, except for the dealers the dealers were not happy in fact one dealer was offered a Saturday night hotel room 
uh, because we had plenty of extra. Uh, and so he decided to stay an extra day because we gave him that room. Uh, and the halls were really empty uh, at Providence, but the panel rooms and the video rooms were very well attended. We had, we, we were praised for some of the panel programming we had, which was, you know, not just screaming fans, but stuff that actually makes you think, like really informative panels. So the con, ha the feedback panel, I remember, I, I was trying to drag out any negative things people had to say about the con. I'm like, everybody just keeps saying, oh, I love this, oh, I love this, oh, this was great. Uh, the, the only complaints people had were uh, so everybody saying, there needs to be more people. Like, well, yeah, we know. <laughs> Bring friends. Uh, we've got so much praise for this con, this con that failed. Um, Peter Cohen from Macworld at the time wrote, if all the people who had asked me about Providence Anime Conference had actually gone to it, it would have been a financial success. Uh, Kevin McKeever said, while pack attendance was low, it was a landmark event as con people still ask me about it and want to know more. Mike Toole says, it was a hell of an idea, I must admit, a 21 plus convention geared towards academic discussion and creative programming. Ain't It Cool News says, there's an extent which thinking and learning about anime manga becomes as much part of the hobby as actually consuming the media. In addressing that, Pack brilliantly succeeded in filling a niche in the convention landscape. And on Twitter, uh Lacuna Craft wrote uh, at AnimeCons TV. You guys did it! Congratulations on a thousand subscriptions! Yes, we finally got a thousand. Almost took a decade. Thanks, you guys. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Patrick just wants you to. Um. So I also went to panels for uh, Shoji Kawamori and Kanetake Abikawa. Um, but we'll start off with kind of the, the bad and go to the good. So the bad part was all it said for these panels that these guests were running was in the program guide and it, even in the guidebook app was just the guest name. No real description or anything like that. So you had no idea what sort of stuff you were looking for, expecting, things like that. And I lucked out both panels that I went to, uh, one for Shoji Kelmore and one for uh, Kanatake Ebikawa were about mechanical design and stuff like that. So they were really interesting ones. The first one uh, for Shoji Kawamori was him just talking about what he thinks about for the thought process when creating a design, things like that. Like what's what worlds are we living in? What's the technology level? Things like that. A lot of more finer details and things to think about kind of the bigger picture. Um, he'd mentioned that he still uses Legos to build prototypes and play with it and see if it can still transform and things like that. And one of the neatest things, unfortunately, I was a little further back so I couldn't get a good photo, but we had a couple really nice ones sent to us, so we'll toss them up here. He still, he brought one of his Lego prototypes for the new show that he's working on and showed everyone how it was transforming and stuff like that, which was really neat. Um, and Kanatake Ibukawa's panel also... He came from it from a different angle, more just kind of talked about the process and how he talked about how mechanical design for an anime series isn't just, you know, big machines like 
cars or giant robots or things. It could be anything from a keychain that someone, a character has on their keys, little things like that, and you know, all these little details and stuff like that. One thing that stood out to me here was both uh, guests gave clearly were having a good time doing their panels. Shoji Kamari's was much more planned, but he got up and talked about it. At one point, he was talking about how he designed the Gearwalk mode for the uh, robots from the Macross series, and he got the idea while skiing. So he's standing up out of his chair and squatting like he's skiing. He's like, that's where I got the idea, and showing us all that, and just very animated. Meanwhile, uh, Kanatake Ibukawa was just really engaging with the fans. Like, I was watching him, because I didn't for this panel, I was pretty much the front row. And I'm seeing him listen to the questions that are coming from the fans, and he's smiling and really enjoy it. Like he talked about how he still plays video games and things like that, and people were like asking him, "Oh, well, what video games are you playing?" And he was saying things like, "Oh, I'm playing, Fallout. I've been playing a lot of Fallout 4, but Fallout 3 is my favorite," and really having a fun time with the fans, even with the differences in languages. So they were both really great guests. Um, really cool to hear their thoughts and things like that. And again. Uh, Ebikawa's panel was a little bit more if he was fed some questions by kind of a moderator and then opened it up to General Skidmore so it wasn't as detailed as Cal Morris but both of them gave really good insight to what they were doing um, of course the la I can't mention the deal without talking about the booth for the Dragon Ball North American tour this Guys, this is probably the best booth I have ever seen at a convention. Ever. It was so neat. First off, right above it, like suspended from the ceiling, was a giant uh, figure of the sh the dragon Shenron, kind of the, the titular dragon from the series, right above the booth, so you couldn't miss it. it was uh, they had statues of some of the characters. They had a wall that had kind of the timeline, I'm talking about the different uh, story arcs that have been going on, they had figure displays, they had photo booths so you could like take pictures to look, make it look like you were eating a giant meal like the main character Goku, or riding on the uh, flying Nimbus, things like that. It'll, it looked like a little bit of the uh, Tenkaichi uh, Budokai uh, tournament stage, Great place, lots of great places to get pictures of neat stuff. The center, like kind of the heart of the booth was carpeted so you could spend a lot of time wandering on there and not get your feet sore guys this was this booth was incredible and i wish i could see more booths like this overall because it's really cool and in i guess double check see if the dragon ball north american tour is going anywhere near a con that you're attending because this booth was incredible definitely really need to check out As for the the crowds at this convention, um, the exhibit hall was larger than w what we saw at SAC Anime because we went to both conventions on the mm -hmm. same weekend. So and they're both two hours apart, as we mentioned in our last report. And so a lot of people were wondering, like, would Crunchyroll Expo hurt SAC Anime's attendance? Would SAC Anime hurt Crunchyroll Expo's attendance? And Somehow they both like? made out okay. Yeah, they both, they both made out okay. Uh, Crunchyroll's exhibit hall is roughly 55,000 feet larger. Um, I, and I think, 
Well, that also includes the autograph area, the food vendors, and the, the artist piles. alley tables. Uh, and those are things that weren't in Sack Anime's uh, exhibit hall because they were in other rooms. Mm -hmm. um, or they didn't exist, like those food vendors and the artist alley tables. Uh, so when you take that out, probably close to the same size for vendors and artists. I think Crunchyroll had more artists. Yes. If you, if you do like percentages, I think mm -hmm. it's more artists for Crunchyroll. Um, Crunchyroll had the bigger vendors. It had, well, obviously Crunchyroll, but there were some, uh, well, well at, at Sack Anime you get a lot of pop vinyl figures, mm -hmm. you've got a lot of t-shirts and plushies. There's a lot of variety, I thought, at Sack Anime. Yeah, but it's a lot of that sort of stuff, and Crunchyroll seemed to have more industry, more bigger booths, mm -hmm. whereas Sack Anime's a lot of smaller booths. Um, and as far as attendance goes, I haven't seen official numbers from either. But based on the crowds at SAC Anime and uh, what I saw in panel rooms and what I saw in event spaces and just outside SAC Anime, I'm pretty sure that convention had more people. SAC Anime had? Yeah. And would you think so too? Because you were, you saw. Well, it's difficult to judge because we went. You know, on a Saturday to Sack Anime, yeah. and we went on a slower day to Crunchyroll. We so. went. We went on the second day to both conventions. Yeah, that's. But Saturday is the big. I know day it's for not. The, it wasn't the same day, yeah. and Saturday could have been the bigger day for. People just used to go to the con on Saturday, so I think that may have affected the Sunday. Yeah, but Crunchyroll. people have Monday off. I guess anyway, we'll find so. out when the numbers come. But uh, it seemed yeah, about the, the same to me. But the. See, I'm going, the, the hallways at SAC Anime were packed, going up and down the escalators when the escalator worked, and uh, just the crowds outside the vendor's room. And I know it's a different layout, but uh, it may be that Crunchyroll is most spread out, but it really seemed packed. And even just the cosplay gatherings, there's so many people there, so many cosplayers, so many photographers, and I didn't see large crowds of cosplayers. Even when I go to Fanime at this facility, outdoors, outside the convention center, packed with people uh, taking pictures and posing for costumes. Maybe that's what it looks like on Saturday for Crunchyroll. Maybe, but... I would like to there, wait for the numbers before I... Uh, I'm pretty sure that Sack Amy had larger numbers. Alright, how pretty sure? sure? Do you want to bet me 10 bucks? Yes. Alright, we're betting 10 bucks. Yeah, Tune I'm in to sure. find out who won. Uh, and I didn't go to Fanime this year, but based on previous years, Fanime was larger. Uh, Silicon Valley Comic Con, undoubtedly larger. That thing is too crowded. It fills every inch of that convention center and they should cap their attendance oh. because it's dangerous uh -huh. and I will not go to that convention anymore. That's how they dangerous don't have the it is. Uh, Fire Marshal probably is on vacation that day or something, oh. but th it's hard to get into panels at that one because uh, it's just... Is it like so Dragon Con level? 
Yes. Uh, and it's not as good as Dragon Con. Hey, buddy. What are you doing? See? Wave to everybody. Mm. Hello. Hello. Mm, he's so sweet. Uh, one complaint I do have about the artist alley is uh, they were sp the aisles were spaced really weird, and we were there with our infant son, uh, so we had a stroller that we were pushing along. And Baby's first con. Baby's first con. He enjoyed it. He did not squawk. Their artist alley was a lot bigger this year than it was last year. Yes, again we had the stroller with our mm. little boy. Yeah, we didn't have tr too much trouble getting through the aisles. Uh, well, the aisles, one of the complaints I had last year was the aisles were way too narrow in the artist's alley. But this year, they had it in a much bigger room, they had a lot more artists, and they were evenly spaced. Uh, I don't recall what their exact positions were. Let Caden check. Yeah, Caden will check for that. But also, as far as Star Wars content, the 501st and the Rebel Legion were there, along with the Mandalorian Mercs. We uh, parked near their van. <laughs> we parked next to the truck for the 501st. Uh, but yeah, they had displays set up for recruitment and uh, just to talk to people and explain what they do. And uh, there was also a uh, small vendor room where they had a few vendors, not too many. Just uh, the right amount, I yeah, felt. You know, just a sampling. That's not that. <laughs> and uh, 